0: Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here at our 84th episode of the podcast. we gonna get a chance to talk to Brendan Clary. Coach Clary is going into his second year at head coach at R.L. Turner. It's in Carlton, Texas. Previously, prior to R.L. Turner, he was at Ranchview, Lubbock Cooper, and Slayton. Prior to his first stand here at R.L. Turner. Um, as a coach, he's worked his way up. Through the coaching ranks, starting from the bottom and now working his way up to being a head coach, seeing all the different parts of being a head coach and um, working his way up to getting his first job. Um, Recently, he had also been a clinician at the ABCA Barnstromer Clinic, and he also serves in the Dallas Patriots organization where he coaches some travel baseball. Been married... To his wife Kelsey for three years, who also teaches and coaches. They just a uh, had a young daughter Charlotte this past summer, who you'll get a chance to hear throughout the episode. Um, just she was a trooper and did well, but uh, you hear throughout the throughout the episode is he was uh, playing his most important role, playing dad, as well as talking some baseball. So, but it was a uh, great talking to Coach Clary, uh, good young coach coming up, and, uh, you know, we, we dive into basically just a ton of clinic stuff, you know, it was almost like a bar summer clinic is what it was, just getting into uh, different things that he's doing and certain drills, specific drills, the menu of things that he's doing in practice and in practice, part of his practice plan, his leadership council that he's doing, and how he kind of created that, his movement, movement prep stuff, PCR, which he calls for his play catch routine, and... Um, Many other things. You know, he dies into a lot of infield stuff that he's gotten from Clay Cox and throughout the, throughout the another other, other amazing guys as well. So just a learner, uh, willing to try anything, and he shares a lot of those things and is willing to share a ton with us. So uh, without further ado, here he is, head coach at R.L. Turner from Carlton, Texas, Brendan Clary. So our guys played a
1: eight-week, seven-week fall season. Uh, They played it once a week on Wednesdays for the most part. Um, And we've got one more coming up. We had to take a couple weeks off because, of um, one, our field is under construction. We're getting turf. So we haven't been able to host. So we're kind of at the mercy of everybody else's fields. And uh, a lot of the fields that we have played on were overseeded here recently. So we're having to kind of work around all of of that stuff. Uh, But it's been good. Um, our guys didn't have to travel near as much this fall as we did last fall. Uh, we were traveling an hour and a half for a game, which is, it's, it's a lot when they've got to drive themselves in the middle yeah. of the week and stuff like that. Um, and it's not in season, you know, it's kind of just unexpected. Uh, but the way I treat the fall is, uh, for better or worse, I tell my guys, don't worry about the scoreboard, I'm like go play, I mean, be competitive, but we play in a league where it's, uh, it's three runs an inning or 25 pitches. Mm -hmm. So that also kind of keeps it moving and keeps our pitchers fresh. Uh, I'm pretty blessed enough to have guys. We think we've got 12 arms between our our JV and and varsity guys. Uh, So that allows us to be flexible to where we only play up to nine innings. So not everybody has to throw every week. So if a guy comes off and is a little bit sore one week, we've got extra guys. Um, You know, if somebody last minute, something happens, can't show up. You know, I've got guys that can go two innings at the most. Um, so they've had a pretty productive fall season. And then one thing we tried to do last fall that didn't happen because of all the COVID stuff is uh, our JV, our younger guys, our incoming freshmen, and uh, just guys that could use uh, more reps right now. We're playing in what we call it a machine league mm-hmm. with an area school. Uh, it's, it's actually at Ranchery where I used to coach. So had that working relationship where I, their head coach and I got together and said, we, we need something for our guys. And he's a little bit smaller school than me, um, where he's got a lot of guys that play football or do something else in the fall, uh, fall golf. Um, And so he doesn't always have enough to play traditional fall ball. So what we've been doing once a week as well uh, on Tuesdays is I'll send the younger guys, and it's it's literally just machine. Feed the machine. Uh, If we have enough for a catcher, there's a catcher. And if not, you get two pitches. You get three, really. One to see it, and then one to swing at. If you foul it off, you stay up there until you're out. But it just kind of gets those guys moving. And we set the clock basically for an hour and a half and say, whatever you can get in in an hour and a half, go play. Um, we play six outs in an inning. So cleared after three, traded after six. And it's been really successful. Um, I can tell some growth in some of our guys that have come in that are just gaining confidence. Um, our program is one that we get kids that have, have some that have played their whole life and some of this is their first exposure to true baseball, um, you know, other than just watching it on TV or talking about it. And so um, that, that development that they get and just seeing the game at a little bit of a slower pace where it's not as uh, frantic per se, it's been really good for them. And it allows me to be able to kind of slow things down and, and coach them up the day after or whatnot and say, Hey man, here's what I saw you know, sitting up in the stands. Um, you know, here's some things we can try and do. Here's how we address that. And uh, it's been really good. So the fall has been good. And then outside of school, I coach travel ball. So, uh, weekends have been full of we played a Sunday double header league for six weeks and that started in September uh, we just finished our first tournament we've got one more this weekend then we're done uh, we shut it down so that those guys can go and play and uh, or finish up their fall and rest and do whatever and so we'll uh, we've got a big complex out in Melissa out here where they've built um, the high school is housed out there, but it's got a softball field, four really nice turf fields, and their high school field is out there so they can host these tournaments like it's going uh-huh. out of style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and It's really great. So we're going to go out there and, and try and compete and get uh, get a couple more games in and shut those guys down, see them back in the summer.
0: Is that is that travel ball, the travel ball team, is that basically your high school kids or is it from all over?
1: So with, with Texas and our governing body, the UIL, we're not allowed to coach our kids, our own kids on our travel ball teams. Um, or outside of school. So, like, even in these fall ball games, I have an alumni that comes uh, that is a fairly recent graduate and even one that played for me at Ranchu that coaches my guys because he knows pretty much what, to, what my expectations are and how I would talk about whatever or come across something. Um, so all my fall ball guys are scattered. Um, I've got three from Waco, which is about two and a half hours south of Dallas. Um, I've got several from the surrounding area. Um, that are as far as an hour in Arlington, an hour fifteen in Sunnyvale, Frisco. So we're all kind of spread out um, just because of that fact. So and then as you get older, like our our seventeen and eighteens, they've got guys from out of state that that play on, on a on a regular basis as well. So it just kind of it varies um, from age group to age group. But we, we have to uh, we have to go out and get other guys and don't get to coach ours in the fall.
0: Yeah. Just because your your rules and things like that? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. How do you, um, you know, uh, I guess just thinking of your expectations between the two of them, you know, like with how do you balance in between your high school and your travel and what you're trying to teach through each of them?
1: So with with the guys at school, it's, it's foundational and relational. Those are the two big things that I've tried to focus on. Because um, like I said, I've got guys all across the spectrum that, Some may have played since they could hold a baseball and some that may have said, Hey, that looks really cool. I saw it on TV. Um, I want to try that. And Mm -hmm. we've had several of those guys come through the program um, at both at both Turner and when I was at Rancho. And so it's, it's really finding ways to keep those guys that know the game um, as, as into it as possible. And so the focus with those guys is I try to teach those guys the drills a lot to be able to go when we go into indie sessions or whatever caters are going on, or we're in station rotations, um, that they can, they can go get their individual work in. And if I need to pull those younger guys, um, or a specific skill group uh, catchers or, or whatnot, I've got that opportunity because I know that that group over there is not going to be, uh, they don't need to be babysat or, 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 you know, watch like a hawk because they know exactly what the expectation is. If I put our drills on there, our Ron Washington's or our Aussie's, um, you know, I put, uh, the different medicine ball stuff that we do or glove work or whatever it is that day, they know exactly what that is. Uh, like with our outfielders, they know what our rolled series here is, and they know what our get behinds are. And they know that those are everyday drills. So when in doubt, if they need something to do, those are the things they should be working on. And I don't have to tell them that I may go have to coach a few things up, uh, but that's the biggest thing. And then expectations with the travel ball guys is that they're, they are there, um, and they're paying to be there. So obviously it's a little bit different, but their mentality is I'm I'm chasing the opportunity at the next level. And not that I don't have guys at school that want that, but that's pretty much the the goal of playing travel ball. Uh, when you get to 16U, 17U, 18U, you know, you're not it's not uh, it's not all just fun based. I mean, obviously we want to go have fun, but your team needs to win so that you get noticed so that you get the opportunities that you're you're, you're seeking after. So you know, we we go a little more focused with individual work. Um, we do some team stuff and we have our bunk coverages and all that stuff. But if we you know, like in the fall, we don't have practice days because a lot of kids play football. Um, you know, they're playing football with their school while they're playing with us as well. So we may have an optional, hey, Thursday swings at the facility. I'll be there from seven to eight thirty. If you show up. Great. If you don't, I you know, you got a life. I got a life like I get it. Um, and the fact that I've got three, three guys from two hours away, like I know that it's in the summer, it's different. We can say, Hey, I need you here. We're going to have a three hour field practice and I'm going to make it worth your trip. Um, but for them to just come hitting us in the cages and get their swings and they can do that at school. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the difference is it's, it's just a little more laser focused with our, our travel guys. And we're able to kind of slow things down, um, or speed up as necessary with our guys at school, just based on their needs.
0: Very cool. I love to get into depth a little bit more of like uh, so like uh, your roll series, Juan Washington's. You know, your get behind drills. You know, like uh, could you take us through a couple of those things?
1: Yeah. So with our infielders, we um, I I just kind of take it. We we changed it to Aussies because it shortens it on the practice plan. Uh, okay. But I originally called them five five fives because in watching what you know like the Braves were doing at pregame tonight. Yes, they uh, And the Astros too, I think there's a, there's a video floating around Twitter where they're out there. And so we, our five, five, fives that we called Aussies, then we're just the short hop picks. We're working five in the front, five to the forehand and five to the backhand uh, from a knee, from a knees. And then you go up to the, 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 the fielding position, you work the same thing. Um, and then something else we've done. And I, I give all the credit to my college coach, coach Andy Etsley, who used to be at Harding. Um, he, he, he showed me some med ball stuff that we use to try and get guys to loosen up without it being, uh, working on movement patterns without necessarily having to stop and teach it because the, the weight in the medicine ball corrects a lot of, uh, a lot of those issues, whether it's ankle instability or core instability or, uh, body position with the glove and the ball and whatnot. And so we do the same thing. We roll that. We work on that. We focus on a heel heel toe action. Um, and, and the biggest thing with those drills and, and even with our outfield drills that we, we really press upon our guys, like, make sure you get the rep that you want uh, and communicate that to your partner. Uh, I, I The kids don't understand this analogy, but I liken it back to kickball back in fifth grade. Like, if yeah, you got a really bouncy roll, like, yeah. you don't want to take that. You kind of threw it back and said, no, nah, I don't want it. Um, so having them advocate for themselves has been big. And then with our, our rolled series with outfielders, they, they partner up. Uh, and they can go anywhere from 60 feet to 90 feet to 120. It just kind of depends on wherever they feel they need to work. Uh, you know, obviously we start them in closer, but if they're really struggling with seeing that ball move from distance, we, we start there. And it literally is. It's the same thing just with outfielders. We roll a ball right at them, and they're going to work on the pro step uh, and come through the baseball. And then they're going to back back up and roll it to their partner. And then they'll go glove side spin. Uh, and then we call it a backhand pick where it's a backhand pick and stab. And get that foot planted and work back, and then get behinds. They can literally do this by themselves, where they're they're just tossing it up. They're kind of getting behind and working through the baseball. Uh, if they're with a partner, you know they're 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 playing catch basically, you know throwing rainbows and lollipops to each other and working through it and and getting the transfer uh, that a lot of guys, a lot of guys that we've seen here lately tend to trouble struggle with because they want to catch the ball out here and with one hand when there's a play that has to be made. Um, so those are just some of our everyday drills that we do, um, that we found ways to mix it up and make it not so monotonous, uh, like with the five, five fives or Aussies or run Washington's, you know, um, we we've called it 30 for 30. Well, you got 30 reps, so you're going to get 10, 10 and 10. Well, who's going to win? You know, we turn it into a little tournament. Um, we've, we've played tennis before where you, you get a line in the indoor and you're working with a paddle glove or, a um, a trainer glove and all you're working to catch is, is that, that glove flip and it's got to get over you know over the net um just to kind of get them competing and, and and wanting to work to better themselves while uh while basically doing fundamental stuff it's just kind of it's disguised
0: so oh so you like look at these every every day correct you said you said you like these every day like kind of your daily vitamins just
1: about yeah we um one of the changes I'm going to make this year because we're going to have a little bit of a gap between when school is over and when we're actually going to start practice because we don't get okay. everybody in the athletic period is uh, treat it like a pre practice period where I'm I'm not going to be hardcore on them about it, but I'm going to say, you know, hey, if you're in the athletic period, you should already be dressed. Basically, just take yourself to the field and whatever you need to do, um, you know, as far as you need to get extra, you need to roll something out, you need to foam roll, you need to do whatever, you need to go get some extra jogging in, sprinting, whatever, but we're also going to have, I've got a board. It's actually in the locker room where I'd show you. Um, and it's divided between infielders, outfielders, pitchers, and catchers. And I list the, I call it the menu. So they're there. And I, 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 stole that from, I believe, Dustin Darby, who's a coach in uh, in Missouri that I met him at ABCA last year. And I was like, dude, I'm stealing that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll give you all the credit in the world, but um I'm stealing that idea. And so we'll list the, four or five drills that they can do. And we'll say, you got to pick three. Um, So, so it it gives them some choice and some say in their development without me saying, you have to do this. And it coming across as, well, coach is making me do this. Um, That's one thing I've learned in the past three or four years um, is that giving, and it works in the classroom the same way, giving students and your athletes a choice really, really helps their development because you may say, okay, Hey, everybody has to do our Aussies our five, five, fives, whatever. Um, but after that, hey, if you want to go do, we call it the Trotsky two ball, you know, where you're working hands. Um, we have a, a rolled series at second base. We call flip throw, working turns at, se- at second. Um, they can literally go play wall ball with each other. I mean, there's there's lots of different options that they have. That we'll just give them four or five things and say, okay, hey, you've got 10 minutes to perform these three drills. Um, if you think you need five minutes of this, well, you got you got to make it work. Um, the challenge has been working better with outfielders. And and because it's and I, I played outfield in college, but it's, it's pretty simple. Like it's keep the ball in front of you and catch it in the air. If, if hey, I had to be off, just, yeah, I mean, I just had if I had to be just as blunt as could, could possibly be. And so um we hammer that all the time with them It's like keep it in front of you. If I see your numbers, that's a problem, right? And so um trying to be more creative with them has been the hard part. Um one thing we did is the QB drills or I've heard them called Flacco's, just because mm-hmm. the guy was a Ravens fan. Um, but they'll do it with each other. Uh, another thing we do is we'll get them in the prone position and they'll lay down face down basically and we'll say ball and they'll toss it up and from a partner and they'll have to find it and catch it. And then after they catch that next one, the partner or me, uh, we call it star drill, but I'll throw one diagonal. So they've got to track it and chase, plant, and as soon as they catch it, I throw the next one opposite of them.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: over the shoulder, over the shoulder, over the shoulder, back, middle, and that hard liner back mm-hmm. at them. And so it's just another – it gets them moving, it gets them warmed up before we ever really get into our actual team stretch and our dynamic warm-up and our movement prep that uh, hopefully starts to kind of focus them as well and kind of get them into baseball mode coming out of class and whatever else. So those are just things that we've tried to install. Um, It'll be a little bit different this year. I've got a brand-new assistant to the program and third coach is to be announced. So Mm -hmm. um, trying to install as much of this in the fall as possible so that we can just kind of get it rolling Come January,
0: yeah. Because I know you're you're in your second year now. So, like, what kind of challenges have you faced? Like, you know, with the th- taking over the new program in your second year.
1: Um, man, first year being COVID year was a heck of a year. So, uh, uh, aside from that, I think it was just making trying to meld my philosophy with what with what was already here, um, not to just completely come in and and bash them over the head with a hammer of this is how I want it to be, this is how it's going to be, but trying to find that that happy medium year one. Um, You know, year two, year one, I thought I I had to do everything. Like I thought I had to have, we had to do this type of practice and we had to have this type of setup and I had to have a leadership council with one guy from every grade. And I finally this summer was able to sit back and go, okay, there's, there's parts of this that I can do, um, but I need to pick and choose a little bit better. So with the example of leadership council, we've gone back to it, but we, we allowed the kids to vote for three of their, you know, captains, leaders, whatever whatever you want to call them. Um, and then those three nominated two more, and I chose two. Um, so we've got, you know, three team captains that I can go to any point and say, hey, man, you know, what's the pulse of the locker room? Um, yeah have, have you, you know, so-and-so hadn't been here in two days. Have you talked to them? Have you sent him a text? I sent one and didn't get a response. You know, maybe he needs to hear from you. Um, but it also lets those guys know because we've got – we're really blessed right now to have um, – we only had 21 in the program last year, and we've got 27 in the program right now in the fall alone, and that's not including some of our guys that will be coming to us. Um, we, were, we were hit pretty hard with, with kids having to stay home because parents were working and stuff last year. So um, just the fact that we've been able to grow the program is huge but, um, letting them, letting them have some more say, I, I thought you're one, it was my way or the highway and a lot of stuff. And, you know, having them be able to come to me more often and say, Hey coach, what if we tried this? Or, Hey coach, I saw this drill. Can we try that? And I'll, I'll say, you know what, let me look at it. Let me, let me get back to you. Um, and, and not, not saying that and being like, Oh yeah, you know, you know, sometimes people, Oh yeah, I'll get back to you. Like, let me just, but no, I, and I'll tell them say, hey, if I don't come back to you in two days, like come see me again. You know, I've
2: I'm
1: got squirrel brain, so if I don't write it down or you don't text me or send me an email, like oh, it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be gone. So I think that's been some struggles. Um, you know, I, I learned a big thing and in, in just over communicating. Um, I thought I was communicating a lot, and I could have communicated so much more um, in so many more ways. So, you know, I've got. Um, I've got a parent group me that I use along with our email system. Um, we, we can, we've got a little email list server, whatever with our alumni that we use to communicate with. And then, um, I've got one for my booster club members that I just pretty much include on everything. And then the boys are included in that email as well. So they've got one and then we've got different ways that we communicate with them. So it's just, it's having those multiple places, you know, there's days where it's like, man, did I send it out to everybody? Um, but it's, it's one of the ways that we've made sure that everybody knows what's going on at all times. Um, it's, it's easy proof to say, you know, if, if somebody has a question about something, well, Hey, here it was, here it was, it was sent here. Um, and and just trying to trying to stay ahead of as many possible problems as possible. Um, what's, what's nice is, you know, with our field being under construction, we haven't had many of the, those type of problems with any kind of, uh, you know, work orders and all that stuff, but communication, patience, um, and I think reflection are probably the biggest three things that I learned. I thought I knew a lot coming into, to year one. Um, and I've never really doubted my understanding of the game and stuff like that, but it's the administrative side that, that really changes. Um, when you put, when you sit in the big chair that, uh, I only saw glimpses of, um, uh, when I was, when I was an assistant various places. And so, um, it's just kind of a learning curve and now that now that school's back to normal life's a whole lot easier because i can you know have conversations with people and not not have to do it from six plus feet away or have to have it all on a zoom like we actually get to have our first booster club meeting in person next month it's gonna be great (laughs) So little little things like that that have kind of made a big difference
0: what would you what would you have changed about your previous experience to kind of to help you more so like with your assistance now you know is there something that you will do differently to help them prepare them for like taking the the big chair as you would say
1: uh i think for me it was i didn't take enough i took notes at every clinic and stuff that i went to but i didn't come back and condense it um you know i didn't create a notebook or a notepad or some kind of something to go back to that's like okay hey i really like this from when I was with this program or that I saw this coach trying or doing or working on. Um, Okay. But I saw this and I didn't like this. Well, maybe I should try it and see if it works for me or finding that happy medium. Cause you know, Twitter's been great for, for baseball, uh, because everybody shares everything now uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part. But what I, what I learned out of that is like, I can't take everything that I see guys that have 60 to 70 dudes in their program and, and try and force feed it for my guys when I've only got 25. Um, you know, are there pieces that I can take? Are there organizational things I can take from that? And so that, that's that been one of the biggest things I would tell them to kind of make sure.
2: <laughs>
1: Hi, you want to be famous too, huh? Um, make sure that kind of, they, they, they know what their coaching identity is going to be. Um, I think when I came into it, I, I thought I knew, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted, what I wanted, my, my program vision, but I didn't write it down. Uh, I didn't have it. On, on paper or in a Google Doc or something that I could edit on the fly. And that is something I would definitely change for sure.
2: Cool. Oh, man, I'm gonna be quiet.
0: <laughs> so writing down your identity. So is this something that you uh, will talk like you said, you bring in your new assistant, write down their kind of their identity, what they're gonna do, kind of who they are.
1: Yeah, and what you want from – like, what are some goals of your program or what are some goals that, you know, you might have as a head coach? And, and it, for me, I had to get away from from non-tangibles and 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 non-numbers. Forever I thought, okay, I, I got to win 20 games or I got to make the playoffs or whatever. And when I first sat down to write a growth plan or, a, you know, a three-year plan for the baseball program here, it was, okay, you know – my first year five out of 10 kids are going to be able to play catch at 90 feet, which some people are going to go, Oh dude, you're, you're crazy. But I I have some kids that, that when they, when they started, um, you know, that was a struggle. And so, you know, that my, my plan for the next year was okay, well, we're going to raise that to 60 or to 70. And then in three years, we're going to be at 80 and 90 or eight, eight or nine out of 10. Um, last year we won five district games, right? So the goal this year is seven. Uh, because there were a couple games last year that went one run or the other. We got walked off by uh, a rival school, and we blew a lead late in another one. So very winnable games for us, and and our guys that are returning know that. Um, but also just being, you know, being true to who you are. Uh, I was a very high-strung, uptight assistant. <laughs> and through parenthood and my last head coach have, have really mellowed out. I, I joke with him that he, like, Mr. Miyagi'd me. kind of just got me to chill out and and step back and see the whole picture. Uh, I always saw some you know, everything through blinders. Um, But the other thing with my assistants is I've tried to work on creating duties and their tasks and their jobs and trust them with that and say, you know, hey, you know, I'll put together the practice plan. Uh, You know, I'll do buses. I'll do all the majority of the administrative stuff. If you will make sure that all our guys are out of the locker room and, you know, that's assistant A's job plus uniforms, plus laundry, plus whatever, and really, um, delegate and delineate who's doing what. So that, um, you know, year one, I thought I had to do it all literally. Um, because I went to the fall, both my assistants coached football. And so I just, I just kind of taken all that on to say, I've got to do everything when, um, you know, they're, they're on the coaching staff for a reason. They're there to help. They're there to be of assistance. Um, I just had to I had to speak up and ask. So, uh, you know, knowing knowing who they are as a coach, don't try to be somebody you're not. That's the other thing I'd say. If you're not a, uh, a vocal guy, you're not, a, you know, you're one of those kind of sit back and watch and then speak. Uh, identify who you are in kind of that role as well, uh, because I think. I've been around coaching staffs, watched coaching staffs, been on coaching staffs um, where you have what I call the hammer or the lion, where you have that guy that can just get after kids. Well, you, you can only have one of those on most stabs. Um, It's it. It doesn't end well if you've got a bunch of dudes barking at your kids, and there's nobody to kind of pull them aside and say, you know, hey, here's what he was trying to say, and and not to cut anybody's legs out. It's just, hey, here's what you need to understand about that moment. Um, and so that's where I've kind of had to adjust some things based on uh, the different staffs I've been on. You know, I came in as the young guy and the boisterous guy of like, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Let's go full, full go. Um, all gas, no breaks, the whole thing right there. But uh, having some, having some feel, you know, that term gets thrown around, but having a lot of feel for your players, for your program, um, for me, for my parents, a lot of my parents work. And so trying not to overload them and stuff that we do uh, as well. So just stay true to who they are and, and ask questions, man. That was one thing that I learned as an assistant was to ask questions. Uh, there's no such thing as a dumb question except for the one you don't ask, which I know is like really cliche, but, um, especially when you're new to a program, new to a school for me, when I was new to Ranchview, I asked a million and one questions, um, on the football side. And then when I was the ba- one of the baseball coaches, I had two different head coaches each year. right? A new head coach each year. So there was a lot for me to understand because they were, they were very different guys. Um, And so to try and figure that out was, was a lot.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Um, So I'm just thinking about, so how are you uh, continuing to grow your culture? You know, so I know a lot of people are trying to, you know, everybody's, culture is a big word. And, you know, what are the things that you're doing to grow the culture?
1: One of the things we reinforce with our guys is that our culture grows or doesn't every day. Um, and that the only ones that can really protect our culture is us. I don't remember where I heard that. That is not from me. I'm not that wise yet um, or may never be, but I heard that. And I was like, we're the protectors and keepers of our own culture. Um, and so just, just reminding the guys that little things do turn into big things, um, whether that is, you know, the vision of the snowball downhill or one error leading to another mistake, leading to another over – like the little league home run on a bunt, you know. It can go downhill fast. Um, and so with uh, – referencing back to that leadership council, it's been bringing those guys in. It's, it's several seniors, um, two juniors, a sophomore – and then we, we weren't sure how many freshmen we were going to get. So we didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't cross that bridge yet, but meeting with them on a regular basis. And I say that like once every two weeks or so, or, or at least pulling them aside occasionally and saying like, Hey, how was that? What did, what did everybody think of, of that practice plan? Um, you know, what, what are some things you're hearing that I can change? Uh, because, they just have to understand, I mean, it's like when we go to class, like our expectation and our culture is that we will be student athletes. Uh, and so we we have study hall sometimes during the period, and the guys know that, like, if, if it's study hall, the expectation is that, you know, we're helping each other or or you're helping me do something else, clean up something, put something else up. And, um, you know, I love the guys, but I'm, I'm not going to clean up after them 24-7. And so we have some things in place as well that are just reminders of like, hey, um, perfect example. They, they know that if they leave equipment out, it is, uh, we, we call it a triangle. So from home plate to pole to pole to home plate. But well, we have, we've had to adjust it for the football field. So I've just said goal line to goal line. Um, next best thing, I guess. And so I, I went in about a week ago and they left a bag of bats out. And instead of like, and I kid you not, old me would have flipped out and gone full bull Durham and probably thrown them in the shower. And, you know, but instead I just, I took a video of myself opening the bag, taking bats out one by one and just kind of just showing them. And, and I put a little caption on there that said, just a reminder, this will be 700 yards. Didn't, didn't come at him. Didn't have to, to, you know, get crazy with them. But they, within five seconds, there were responses of I'm on my way. Somebody let me in. Like I'm, I'm outside. I'll be right there. Um, And it was, it was our old guys and our young guys. And that's where I was really impressed with how kind of our, our our culture is trickling down in a good way Um, because our, our older guys have shown the young guys what it takes and what it looks like through action and not just words. Um, But those are kind of little examples right there, but we just, we protect it every day as best we can. Um, You know, I, I try to model for the kids as much as possible too. Like we have to travel right now or indoor um, without a field. And so it's, it's a good half a mile down the road. Um, It's only, it's only uphill on the way back. So the old (laughs) adage is out the window there, but uh, you know, I, I, unless I am hauling equipment, I've told the guys like, Hey, I'm jogging down with you. So they're, there's no reason, you know, no excuse, whatever you want to say to not beat me down there. You know, don't let my old self beat you down there. And if I, you hear you hear footsteps coming up behind you, you better believe it's me. Um, and that's kind of kept some of that culture within ourselves and and, and also just some competition where kids are, are having a good time of oh, I'm not going to be last. I'm not going to be last. Um,
0: and so there's
1: just little things like that.
0: When you, when you put together, like, so your three to five year, so, like, you have a three to five year plan, I'm assuming, right? Yes, sir. So you came up with that, and, because uh, you had talked, you had mentioned about that earlier, and um, what part of, you know, because you, you said you took out the, uh, like, numerical stuff, you took out the, you know, just the numbers of it, and uh, At I guess more process based, you know, things mm-hmm. is, the, are there things in your culture that you want to hit in that three to five year plan? Are there things that, you know, that would show where you are there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about GPA as a team. Um, that way it's not, it's not a, a personal burden. Sometimes, sometimes kids get in their own head, you know, about, well, coach said, I have to have a 3.0. Well, if a kid's taking all upper level classes and and trying to play baseball, like, there, there's a lot. I get it. So we just say, hey, hey, as a team, we want to have a 3.0. That is just part of who we are. That's our goal. Um, and if I can't get that figured out because GPAs are all crazy right now and changing and yeah. what skill you're on and all that stuff, um, I'll tell you what I did this, this first nine weeks period for us. We had an 83% pass rate. It's the highest we've had since I've been here. Um, and so I've been highlighting things like that, which I know is numerical, but it's not – it's not tied to anything that matters wins and losses necessarily, other than it keeps our guys eligible. Um, but we've also got of the 27 guys, uh, 24 of them are taking some sort of upper level class, you know? So that's another, another way that we kind of measure culture of, I'm, am I challenging myself? Am I trying to better myself in more than just one way? Um, you know, I joke with them about being a Renaissance man. I used to teach history and so they, they don't get the reference fully, but, Uh, Trying to tell them, like, we've got kids that play golf. We've got kids that are in band. We've got kids that uh, are in ag and um, our biomed program. And so being well-rounded is another aspect of our culture. So just things like that, just kind of encouraging them to not be so tied up that baseball is your identity, um, but allow yourself to to have some freedom. Enjoy high school. It does only happen once. And Mm. uh, do all that you can while you can.
0: When do you have this time to talk to them about that?
1: Um, A lot of it is first couple weeks of school because schedules are getting changed, Um, and and I see my guys every day. Um, I see the what I've had to call the upperclassmen.
0: Like Um, in class, you see them, or just you talking about just sporadically throughout the day.
1: Yeah, we have a baseball period uh, every day. For we're on a block schedule, so we have four four classes a day that are about an hour and a half, and so. Um, the, the last class period of every day, I have baseball guys. And so on, we have what we call a and B days. Um, so on a days, I have nine guys that are, um, my returners kind of, they'll be our core of the program this year going into it. Um, with the exception of guys that are playing, like I got one that plays golf, um, one that's in football, some, some other, you know, some guys that play other sports, um, or that didn't have scheduling that had scheduling issues, excuse me. And then on B days, we've got 23 guys. That we have in the period where we usually do all of our baseball stuff, um, cage work, defensive work, bullpens, um, things of that nature, and so we have conversations. We start we start class every day with just a hey. Here's some reminders. Here's what we're doing today. Um, you know, remember, hey, we're going to the indoor. Here's the expectation. Make sure you have this, this, and this. Um, you know, hey, I'm going to open up the cage. You guys know, and I'll put what's assigned on the practice plan of who's getting what or who's setting what up. Um, and so that's just kind of another uh, way that we hold them accountable. We do have these conversations quite often. Um, I'll pull kids in the office. I'll see them in the hallway. Um, just any chance I get, trying to build that relationship with them. Like I said at the very beginning, we're foundational and relational here at Turner. And so trying to make sure that those kids understand that I'm going to talk to you about baseball 99% of the time because I eat it, sleep it, or breathe it. I love it, right? But it's, it's not everything. And I'm here for them, whatever they need. Uh, we have guys that come in in the morning and just check in and my office is upstairs right where they come in. So they'll pop up here and say, hi, they'll drop something off. They'll come up here just to, to bug me in the best way possible. Um, and so that's another, another way that I know our culture is starting to grow and work because the, the myth of the coach's office being not very welcoming is starting to change. Um, And so that's, that's been a big, a big plus
0: for us for sure. No, that's good. Good stuff. You had talked about, um, you had talked about your practice plans, um, you know, them seeing the practice plan and things like that. Uh, is that something, um, just kind of diving in a little bit of practice planning and what you do. So you basically put up a practice plan each day. Uh, do you basically have the same kind of structure of practice planning? The first, the first
1: third or quarter practice is the same. Um, so I usually share that out with the boys as early as I get it done. Uh, I try to have it done by the end of my conference period, which is at lunch. And so I send that out to them in our group me. And that way they have it. They have access to it early. Uh, and then I'll usually have printouts waiting in the, in the locker room. And it's X amount of copies. I don't necessarily assign like, hey, seniors, you have to have a copy. It's, hey, here's a practice plan. Make sure we get them. Make sure we know what's going on. Um, cause as the only guy in the fall with him right now, I've got to go run to my office and get a fungo or get something or beat him to the indoor or go grab whatever, go get laundry, go help somebody find something, you know, all the, all the hats that we wear. Yeah. Um, and so try to get that as much as possible on days that we're doing strictly baseball stuff. We go into what we call movement prep, which is just our, our, our getting the body right, uh, getting a body sweat going. Um, and I pieced that together from just various places I've been. Uh, actually, was was lucky enough uh, to go to the New Rangers Ballpark when they had the big SEC Big Twelve baseball showcase showdown thing, um, and got to watch Texas Tech and A&M and who was it? Arkansas, Texas, TCU, and Ole Miss or Mississippi State instead of maybe somebody else. Uh, and so just kind of picked apart little things from their warm up um that some things we were already doing some things they were doing more efficiently um and just kind of was a student of the game and put some things together and came back and just tried it and I communicated with the guys like hey we're going to try this I know we had a different movement prep last year this is movement prep 2.0 we're going to give it a shot give me your honest feedback and so there's some things we tweak still um there's some things we've added taken away depending on how much time we have it's like oh hey quick warm up start here end here um but then we go into our, our J-bands, um, our our body blades, our arm blades. And then on throwing days, we add in our plyos, uh, our plyo balls. And then we go into what I call PCR, and that's our play-catch routine. Um, and it it is semi-structured. We'll have to reteach it a lot in the spring just because we'll have new bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it basically works us out from, you know, flips at 15 – to twist and throw motions to kind of that rocker motion to get our guys feeling. And what it really does is it helps those guys that maybe are unfamiliar with the movements. It slows it down for them. And it also allows us as coaches to teach in the moment to where our guys that our guys that know PCR by now, uh, those juniors and seniors and some of those sophomores that are returning, they know exactly what to do, what to go through. And they've got 12 to 15 minutes to get it done. Um, I think it was Coach Schlossnagle, formerly of TCU, now at a that he said, you know, 12, 12 minutes is kind of the, the spot on of getting loose, playing catch, um, depending on whether you're long tossing or not, because other than that, you're kind of messing around too much and have potential to be, uh, use a classroom term, be off task. And so, right. um, and then from there we go, we'll go into various things. And so depending on what the focus for the day is, if it's a defensive day, we'll go straight into our defense. Um, there's some days where we'll, we'll hold a PCR off. Like if we're going to base run, uh, we'll do that first. And then we'll go into our arm care stuff and PCR okay. so that we get the legs out of the way. They've got time to recover if we're going to do anything else that day. Um, but I will say that I, I, what I have learned, one of the biggest things I, I had never really thought about was if they're going to throw that day, it, it's got to be warm up throw. It can't be, we're going to warm up and then go hit. And then and then go do defensive work. Like it's got to be straight into it because it's you've got you've only got so many bullets in the chamber of the gun, um, to use that analogy, where you've only got so many that they can that they need to be thrown that day while they're hot while it's worth it. Um, before you're going to get kind of half halfway reps or reps that you don't want to see or stuff that may frustrate you as a coach. Um, and then I've just been a sponge. Like I'll I'll borrow stuff from Coach Sheets at uh, at Georgia Gwinnett with a lot of his base running stuff. Um, I've got some buddies of mine that coach around the state that I've borrowed stuff from and, and pick their brains on like, Hey, how do you work this while, while getting other stuff done? Um, So, but with, with our numbers the way they are too, you know, we're expecting anywhere from 30 to to 40, if we're really lucky Um, we, we do a lot of combo work. And so um, if guys are, you know, if guys are working we call it uh, Cinco Series. I got that from Clay Cox as well. just kind of modified it for us. But there's five different rounds to our infield work. Then we have a drill that I, I borrowed from a buddy of mine, Ryan Kanan, who's at Davenport High School and in Comal outside of San Antonio, where it's basically a ring of fire. We've got eight barrels out in the outfield, and it's machine. You know, It's it's basically shooting pull or uh, shooting skeet to where that ball comes out, And they're starting at a barrel, and they're working to the middle of the circle from different angles um, while we're getting our fun go in. So there's our defensive work for the day. And whether our infielders are throwing or not, our outfielders aren't, so it's saving arms that way. So we do a lot of combo work with our base running as well, uh, where if our guys at home plate are going home to first, our guys at first are going first to third, guys at second are going second to home, uh, and maybe the guy at third is working the contact play or the tag play, just to try and get as many – as many guys through reps as possible while giving them rest, while giving guys mental reps um, just to try and maximize our time. Cause we also in the state of Texas only get eight hours a week after school with them. So trying to maximize that time um, as well. And then if there's, if there's a day where I know something's going to happen that we're doing um, I'll try and get it done during the period as well. Like if there's a lot of indie work that I feel like we need to do, we will do it during the period and we'll go straight into team setting. Um that's something I kind of took from coaching football is there's a lot of times where you wait till you've got everybody obviously to do your team stuff, but um also with having so many guys that are, are two way guys that have to have to pitch and play the field, we have to be very careful about what we can and can't do. We can't uh we're not lucky enough to go trot out twenty POs and go PFPs for twenty minutes and and all that kind of fun stuff.
0: So Yeah, yeah, be uh be I guess you have be creative with where, when you're going to throw and things like that. I think it was very valuable as I, I think you said like um people just automatically just go warm up, they go throw and then they go off the base running then or they go off the hitting and they're, they're not, they're not throwing. I think that was pretty valuable there too. Just a simple thing, but I think it goes a long way, you know, and it also shows like it's purposeful, you know, you're not just doing the same stuff, you know, I think kids appreciate that.
1: Yeah. We give our guys the analogy of pasta when talking about your arm, that, if you want if you want to eat spaghetti, you don't just go, you know, you don't just go take pasta and throw sauce on it and call it spaghetti, right? You've got to go get that that noodle loosened up and softened up and and good to go. But if you leave it in there too long, you're gonna you're gonna hurt the you know the noodle is not gonna be very good. And if you break it off too early, so it's it's just kind of something that stuck with our guys. It was kind of a silly reference that we're like, there's no way this is gonna take off, but. It has, and it's worked. And we kind of find little things like that to our guys. Our guys are really, really visual uh, in our program. So coming up with visual cues for them or visual examples of okay, well, picture this. Like um, I stole this from from Coach Berto, uh, Marcato, um, the the grid system in our outfield. We use that instead of instead of doing the whole. You know, yelling at kids, can they think they're yelling. You, they think you're yelling at them, but you're really just trying to talk to them, just from <laughs> from far away. Um, you know, we'll have them if a ball. We want them to move up. We'll we two because the grid is is a one, two, three across, four, five, six in the middle, seven, eight, nine. If we want them to go back towards the gap, it's six uh, to our left fielder. So just little things like that. We have to kind of shorten our communication and help them out as best we can.
0: So speaking of that, with the grid system, cause I never heard that. So you're basically saying for them, are they all like, are they standing in the middle of the grid system? And so you're that saying our, that one, two, three in the in the front, four, five, six in the middle, seven, eight, nine in the back.
1: Yeah. So our our home position per se is five. Okay. Um, and then to your to your left, so no matter what position you play, to your left is six, and to your right is four. Okay. So I've and I I I fought myself on this, thinking, well, am I going to complicate it, or am I going to make it? stick the way it is and when and we let the kids decide said hey is it easier to call it this or this and they said just keep it the same Uh, because we have several guys that play both corner outfield spots and so if you said six to a guy that's played left field all game that we had to move to right and he's used to going to his left well we really want him to go to his right there was confusion there um but it really has helped because we kind of we kind of cheat the system um and i won't say we shift necessarily but we play percentages of high school guys where it is Pull to the pull to the gap pull to the, the, the power gap and flare oppo so we'll cheat our opposite infielder or excuse me opposite outfielder in to that two position yep um which is really just four or five steps i don't know I, it's hard to kind of see without a visual but uh, and then we'll cheat our our gap players up the middle so Left fielder would be at six, right field or left. center fielder would be at four, and we would say two to our right fielder. So our outfield coach would just step out of the dugout and we always call it left to right, no matter what field we're at, no matter who, who we're playing. That way there's zero confusion. And he'll just step out and he'll say six, four, two, and our guys know where to go. You know, and every once in a while it's, hey, you, no, your other two or your other four, right. you know, stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> even if it's a specific guy for a specific batter guys been torching us down the line all night okay hey we yell at our left fielder hey slide to four right here or go back to five um and that that helped because our guys could come in and no matter what field we're playing on um especially a lot of these turf fields that have those those emblems in center field Mm -hmm. five was easy to find for the center fielder and then we just taught our our corner outfielders well you kind of adjust imaginary line to that center fielder um because the the you know, the habit with corner outfielders is you play the line. And yeah, when I've tried to communicate with some guys in the past of, hey, line up with second base in your outfield spot. Well, then they're too far over or not far enough, and it's still tendency stuff. So it's one of those ways that we've made it work for us. Um, you know, we were blessed last year with the grass that I, I actually went out there in the fall, and I spray painted a grid. Oh, cool. And so – I'm going to have to get creative on the turf this year, probably get some jump ropes or something. But that was one way we made it work with kids.
0: Very cool. Yeah, like I never heard – so, like, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, just the teaching of is, is the way the five spot is. Like, I've always taught kids the you know, Rookie, can you think about positioning? Uh, if when you're talking like poolside, you know, left-handed batter, right-handed batter, we're going to line up a second and first you know mm-hmm. straight line that'll help you put them more in the gap but yeah that's cool with the five spot um yeah very cool very cool grid system I like that I like it
1: um we were even able to adapt it to our infield too that was the other thing is because it, it caught on so we said the same thing where we just modified right. it to, to one two one two three and four so odds were were forward backwards so one was in front three was behind you.
0: Two was
2: to your
1: arm side. And you, just four, made a
0: four, you just made four boxes. Pretty much. I mean, like four square.
1: Yep. So that they knew, we're like, hey, instead of – because sometimes you have to <laughs> – we found we were having to get too wordy and say, hey, take three steps to your left. Yeah. And so we, we would simplify with, hey, position one. And so they knew, oh, as a third baseman, I'm stepping up, where one is basically – in the in the baseline, double play depth, bunk coverage, whatever various things are. Um, so it's just it's something we've tried and tried to work on, and it'll it'll change a little bit this year because we've got different guys in a few different spots. Um, but it's just one of those to help simplify communication.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I think it's it's great. I mean, and then like I said, if the kids bought into it and really wanted that, I think it's and then the shifting is only going to, I think, increase. You know. Especially what did people see in the postseason now?
1: Yeah, and the same thing with kids like, especially in high school, you've got a lot of extreme pull side hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, or, oh, or yeah. if they if they go oppo, it's not with a lot of power. So yeah. there's times where where we've we've talked about it. We didn't do it a whole lot because we didn't never really got comfortable with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but we'll we'll cheat the infield. You know, uh, we'll slide the shortstop more to the six hole. We'll, we'll kind of cut off the line more, almost play no doubles, but a little bit deeper with our third baseman. We'll shift our, our second baseman up the middle a little bit more to take that ball away and then get our first baseman off the line and back. Because by moving our second baseman and bringing our right fielder in, it, it closes down that potential Bermuda Triangle out there. And and we just kind of say that if the guy beats us and, and smokes one over your head as the right fielder, like tip your cap. We either,
2: either
1: had, a, had a really good swing or we mislocated a pitch. So uh, it's it's the gamble we take, and and nine times out of ten it pays off
2: because uh, mm-hmm. they'll
1: hit it right at you,
2: um,
1: or or right in that vicinity to where instead of instead of that trying to make that play in the six hole, it it's a routine play. It's one step to your right. And and they set their feet and then go two or four step pattern across the diamond and feel and feel that thing with confidence instead of feeling rushed.
0: I like it. No, that's cool. So, um, with your infield and you think about the four boxes that you're doing. Do you have them start at different like let's say quote unquote five spots? Like you I guess you're you're thinking about double play depth. You're thinking about like you said you're, when you're shifting. Will you will you start them at different positions? Different Somewhat. Starting
1: spots? Um yeah, we kinda have, each 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 position has kind of a home base. Yeah. Um and of course, of course, they can immediately shift based on the hitter. So if they see a righty come into the box, they're automatically gonna sh- automatically gonna shift a couple steps to the six-hole. We don't even have to tell them that quick like, We don't even give them a number. You just know, you know, our, our home, our five or whatever is the traditional spot okay with, with situation dictating right nobody on you'd be in the traditional spot double play depth you'd shade up the middle already um so it just it, it kind of varies we, we do a lot of it more with nobody on uh because obviously it's, a lot of stuff changes when guys get on that's sure. hard to dictate and we'll do less shifting with the infield play it more traditional and straight up but still still play the outfield um because that typically doesn't change. If a guy's a if a guy's a, a pull side gap hitter, he's not magically gonna just start going oppo with power typically. Uh it's still gonna be something that you know we can make a play on or it's running away from you and flaring. Um and we've we've kind of cheated to play that. You know, if he beats us oppo gap, then once again we tip our cap and I hope you got a guy out there that can chase it down type of deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Definitely seems like, um, you know, you're you're definitely bread and butter comes down to uh, some infield play and what you guys doing defensively for sure.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I played, I was a catcher growing up, played a little bit of second base, but never really considered myself an infielder until uh, I took the job at Ranchview. And um, their coach was a big catching pitching guy. And uh, I said, well, let me, let me, if you don't mind, let me take your infielders. Like it's something I've been kind of trying to get into had been studying a lot of uh kai Correa's friday fielder stuff and billy boyer and um you know guys like that that, that have put out a lot of content clay cox and of course COVID hit and was able to to be in a million and one zooms and listen to a lot of guys talk about stuff and the um infield happy hour stuff where they bring on guys like perry hill and, and stuff like that to just talk talk infield but from different perspectives and it really kind of got me going okay well what what does it take what does it look like kind of just started to develop my own I don't know manifesto is not quite the word but just my own kind of belief in in infield play and um it's kind of something I've I've really started to enjoy and 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 really been getting into so
0: yeah it's 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 cool man uh you can definitely tell just something you're just uh passionate about and um you have certain systems in place you know those are definitely good um really cool very cool stuff i love the grid system there I, I think that's really really neat um the pcr the way you talked about that you know that's really catch play you can have catch play routines um well i quite i guess another question is about is about arms you know like how are even just like infield play let's even just stick with that like how are you developing guys like in, in terms of like game speed, you know, and how do you incorporating the game within your practice setting?
1: So one of the things that we've started communicating is uh, we have a red, yellow, green system with runners. Okay. Um, we, we haven't been able to have the funds yet to get kind of one of the, the digital clocks or whatever. And, and yeah, I'm not sure that even definitely. if we, even if we were able to get one, our guys would fully commit and buy in and be like, no, no, you didn't, you didn't stop when you're supposed to, you know, high school kids. Um, but we do, we do categorize our runners, um, especially when we get in the district, when we've seen guys multiple times and we, we know, like, you know, this dude can run and this dude can't, and this dude, if given a chance could beat us if we don't work through a baseball. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a religious charter in game. I keep pages on guys and a notebook and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, you know one of the ways I stay focused in a game and allows me to, to be able to communicate what I'm thinking with actual proof sometimes mm-hmm. uh, to our guys. And so we'll holler out, Hey, red runner, we walk a guy. It's like, Hey, yellow runner, mix it up. Right. Or Hey, green runner. And then we'll call a bunk coverage. And so our guys just know, you know, depending on where they're playing, right. If if I'm a second baseman and I got a green runner at the plate, I I can treat it yellow to green uh i've got more time but if i bobble it i better get rid of it uh, if i'm a if i'm a shortstop and that ball's hit to my my backhand i got pretty much one shot at it as a, as a green runner um if as a third baseman he tops one and chops one it's it's do or die basically because if that guy can run you know I, and i i just got to know that i've i've got one shot to make that play uh with yellow runners Shortstop's got that opportunity to come up, nice two-step pattern, work it across, um, and even on double plays like that really helps too. We know, hey, guy at first is a red runner, okay, so let's try and get the out at second. Um, when when guys are at third try and trying to tag and communication with our outfielder. so it just that's that's a big one, um, and it it's forced our guys to have to communicate with each other as well because now our catcher knows exactly what to expect. There is no oh man that dude's fast like well yeah we 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 told you he was fast you just you got to understand our system here and so um i think that was a little eye-opening last year um and in trying to explain it it got wordy but once they understood like hey it's it's a one-word code of slow be cautious dude can go um they understood that and it was like okay here we go so that's one of the big things we've worked on um, as far as kind of understanding time. And then we also um, borrowed this from Clay Cox as well. He's he spray paints baseballs mm-hmm. color of the runner. Um, and we added one, he, he, he does red, yellow, green, but we added a blue baseball in there as a automatic two to four step pattern, just so guys don't get, they get used to doing it the, the, the right way, <clears throat> the fundamental way. Um, And we'll mix those in anywhere from live fungo to training gloves, short, short work, uh, just so guys are starting to understand. And once again, it's a visual, you know, now I know I see that ball is green. Um, Okay. I've, I've got to be efficient with my, my movement patterns here. I can't take my time. Um, And if we're, if we're able to get filmed that day or whatever, we're able to talk like, Hey, your first step was the reason you missed that ball on a green runner. Uh, and it allows guys to see it and understand it, and and then going back to our practice plans, that that pre-practice stuff, that indie time, they can work on that, and we can communicate that to them as well.
0: Absolutely. I was wondering. If, I was wondering if you did the colored balls. I was wondering. i was just waiting for it to come out. So you said the blue ball is for when you would do two to four step pattern.
1: Yeah, we just it's our kind of traditional. We because we didn't have a color at the time, but we'd already spray painted them. And so I was like, well, we'll have to come up with something, and so. We use that more in our slower or controlled environment. Um, Not as much in live fungo. Like if we're doing a rolled series um, or, uh, you know, short fungo type stuff where they're just working through it, being fundamental, you know, understanding feel and connection to the body. Uh, And it takes the time out of it. Right. It, it, It that's kind of our build up to. Hey, now it's go time. Now it's real situation. Now, okay, hey, we're gonna go into a little scrimmage here, or an infield bunt scrimmage, or whatever. Um, just kind of sets them up that
0: way. And you go to the zoo, not the jungle. Absolutely, <laughs> from the jungle, from the zoo to the jungle. So it is from the zoo to the jungle. So i another Texas, Texas guy, Coach Sherman. That's it, Coach Sherman, my man, Sherman. Um, very cool. So, love the info talk. I can talk info all night. <clears throat> well, so I a question. So, uh, pick series, what kind of what kind of pick series you got? You know, so, so you guys mess, mess around with much picks. So, I that was kind of the one week area
1: I was in as a as a, a head coach where our our pitching coach last year brought it in, we're going to continue it. Um we we tried to once again we tried to simplify it uh, at first we've got a couple things. We we go know, quick pick to first, we go long hold pick. Um, My my favorite, the kids hate it when I call it, is the come set and just step off and hold it. Um, But we usually follow that with a quick pitch type setup where we'll give the pick call and a pitch so that that pitcher knows like, hey, I'm stepping off pick and I'm back to work and we're going to try and catch the runner not being ready uh, and giving him time to kind of get back to his lead. Um, But that one's always funny because you always get all kinds of noise from the other dugout and the oohs and ahs and and all that stuff. Um, At second, we've toyed with a couple things. Um, We call it from behind or from the pocket. So, from pocket is very traditional, uh, kind of working guys here and there. Um, We've got a couple picks to where uh, glove flash and go. Uh, From behind, we have them where they break. So, pitcher comes set and looks. When he looks back to the plate – he comes set looking at second. When he looks back to the plate, that's the timing to go get the runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we have found and kind of learned a little bit is that, um, you know, it takes it takes a lot of work to get the timing down, but it can be effective in slowing teams down that like to run, especially at second base. Um, we found out with some of our guys and and even some of our, our travel ball guys that runner gets to second and – you stop thinking about him a little bit, you know, that's when pitchers typically go into their most rhythmic pitching because they're going, Oh crud, he got second. I got to, I got to find a way to throw a strike right here. I don't want to let this guy on Uh, whatever it is. And so we've got a couple that we work behind. Um, We're going to probably look at some of the glove drop stuff this year, just to simplify. Um, Thankfully we've got a set infield this year. We had to rotate some guys in due to injuries and grades and things last year, but um, it's looking like my start middle infield is going to be two juniors, so they'll get two years of working together and, uh, be able to really, really play off one another, uh, which is going to be huge for us. Um, cause like I said, we were kind of having to rotate guys through. And I think that also added to some frustrations of the guys not being on the same page sometimes. Um, but it's mm-hmm. definitely something we, we allot time to in practice. Um, sometimes it's those pre-practice times we do picks. Um, and it'll be just a, just a first. So we will go throw a nine hole or an, uh, a sock net over at first base and pitchers take a bucket of balls and they go work through their various picks. Um, cause we don't, you know, we're going to trust that our first baseman can catch over there, right. uh, obviously, but, uh, that's a, that's a way for them to get that in. And even though sometimes that's done before throwing, we tell them like, Hey, 75% speed. I'm more worried about your feet nine times out of 10 then the throw because the feet are going to dictate the throw half the time Uh, so with our picks we talk about especially the first stand in a box that if their feet get too wide or whatever you know you're off balance and that's typically when the ball gets by or spiked or whatnot so um that's that's kind of our a little bit of our pick series we'll um it's you know the other one we've we've toyed about and i talked to my my travel ball assistant about this one all the time. he talks to me, he's a, he's a pitching guy. He's like, you know, you, you, we got installed the third to first. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of a lost art now. Like nobody does it. Um, but if you've got, if you've got teams that are aggressive in a first and third situation, that's the perfect opportunity to, you know, see what they might be doing, catch a guy sleeping. Um, see if they're going to give something away at the plate um various reasons so we, we might look at that as well but uh, a lot of it also depends on who's pitching um with some of our guys that you know we got some seniors that'll throw first this year that we'll have the whole repertoire and whole opportunity and tool belt to throw at them and then some of our young guys it'll be hey you're gonna learn a and b at first and you're gonna learn the inside move to second base mm-hmm. and if you can master those three things then we'll call it good um but we also emphasize step off like the best pickoff move is just step off because half the time you're in your own mind on the mound. We're just step off and reset and control the tempo, control the timing and you're good to go.
0: Nice. Pretty cool. Um, Just think about anything like how you are, you know, everything. We've talked a lot about just like kind of segmenting, like kind of like skill stuff. you know, when it comes to team defense, team offense, you know, things that you're doing, um, you know, let's say game situationally, you know, what do you like to go to there?
1: Well, our, our approach offensively is is going to change a little bit this year. Um, we've been trying to work on – the mistake I made last year, and I told our guys this, is I did not show them enough velo early. Okay. Uh, from the machine. Okay. And, and I know it's a little bit different than live, but – Velo is Velo in the end. Um, it, it just allowed our guys to work more timing this fall, and it's shown. They're putting a lot more balls in play. Um, we we faced a kid in district last year that's it's probably going to make the rotation and and possibly starting rotation um, at A and M this year um, as a freshman. Kid six three six four, left handed, and can throw absolute gas. Mm. And so we saw <laughs> we got the we got the joyous opportunity to see him twice in district. Mm. Um, and so we've got a couple teams that have guys that can really go and really throw. So we've started working on velo early and and high velo off speed um, just to be able to see it, if nothing else. Like I've told our young guys, because some of them get in there and I see it. They're, they're absolutely terrified. It's like, what have I signed up for? It's week two of baseball. And this is coming in at my, you know, it's coming at 80 miles an hour, 85 miles an hour. Like, what am I doing? And I just tell them, hey, track it, have an active take, see the ball come all the way in. I said, I can I can live with you not swinging the bat once your first round or time through the round or two times through the the, the cage as long as you're getting something out of it. And that's something that I didn't really enforce last year. Um, we had we had a couple more seniors that I would just kind of turn loose and be like, hey, there's the machine. You know what to do. Go hit I'm going to work with some of these young guys that, that need the help. But as far as approach, we're going to look to put more balls in play this year. We kind of struggled with with that because of velo and timing and getting swings ready to go. And uh, um, we're going to teach our guys to to bunt and 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 just bunt. You know, Uh, we've taken the word sacrifice bunt out of our vocabulary here at Turner, and really really gotten kids to start focusing on. If we ask you to bunt, I just need you to get it down and fair. I mean, anywhere but the pitcher. Past that, I'm good with it. If if they make a play and you're out. Cool. If you're standing on first, even better. Um, Because I think the the old school – I say old school, but the mentality around bunting and the sacrifice bunt is it's not offensive at that point. Like, you're not trying to put pressure on the defense. You're just hoping you get it down and can execute it until you move your guy over. Um, You know, we're going to do some things where if we bunt, we may try and send the guy first to third. Really put pressure on guys this year. Uh, that we're playing. See if they're they're paying attention in certain situations. Um, you know, so stuff like that. And as far as just you um, like team defense, is that one of the things you said?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just uh, kind of playing in situational. You know, like what do you like to do? You know, in terms of just like your situational practices. You know, I think more team defensive and team offense.
1: We'll do a lot of twenty-one outs um, because it's it's kind of the closest thing we can get to. Structured simulated game without us concocting too much as coaches. Um, so we'll intersquad squad sometimes that way. And how do you like
0: uh, running the 21 outs? You know, some guys are just use straight 21 outs, you, you get to 18, you mess up, you go back to zero kind of deal, or how do you run that?
1: A lot of it just depends on where we are in the year. Okay. Um, sometimes you know, I've done it a couple different ways where it's been that way where he you got to get 21 straight outs. Um, and depending on where I've been, depending on how successful that is and how frustrating that can or can't, you know, may or may not be. Um, one of the things we've done in the past is we'll play 21 outs JV versus varsity where the varsity has to get six outs and the JV has to get three, um, just to, to kind of hammer home to the, the varsity guys that this is how, this is how challenging baseball is. If you can go get six outs, you know, before they score a run or before they do damage, like we're doing something good, you know? Um, mean, I never want to give a team six outs in an inning. Um, but we do the, you know, we clear the whole bases and all that stuff. Um, but the other way we've done it is is a pretty straight up inner squad too. We'll we'll actually even up the teams. Uh, we'll go royal and white, and guys will throw, and it's the best kind of uh, indicator for us to know who who is ready to compete that day, who's willing to challenge their teammates. Um, uh, you know who is who is willing to kind of get after it a little bit. Oh no. We're fighting. We're fighting right now. Um, and then another one as far as team defense that we've we've done is uh oh man what we what did we call it last year? Oh, we'll use the uh, the deck of cards that everybody kind of has the, with the various situations where we'll uh, we'll run it out there and uh, we'll use you know whatever if it's varsity only then we'll say all right JV guys you're running bases your job is to make the varsity look bad right? And we, we say it jokingly, but if our if our young guys can understand the, the competition aspect and put pressure on our varsity guys, and if our varsity guys can understand that if you have an opportunity to get an out or take somebody um, and, you know, snuff out the candle at the end of a game or whatever, you got to do it. You can't give teams opportunities to, to chip away at you. Um, and so that's one thing we'll do uh, with those. We'll also, we're going to try and implement the chaos drill a little bit. Kind of borrowing that from from all kinds of people there, but um, it's it's basically we're in the middle of practice. At some point, you've posted it who's where in this situation, but uh, it's a one a one one hit wonder where uh, two two count guys on the mound, runners at third, runners at first, first and third, two outs, 0-two count, go. Who's going to execute? Um, and then after that, you go right back to practice, and it's just can you can you turn it on or not? can you execute in the moment or not um, a lot of times you get you know baseball is the uh, the never-ending game of or at least in the cages of oh one more coach well, let me just have one more no I didn't I didn't like that well, give me one more well you don't you don't always get that opportunity in a game so trying to hammer home the um, the intentional being intentional um, in certain situations and trying to execute as best you can
0: cool. Well, Charlotte, she's been a trooper during all this, man. I appreciate it, buddy. This has been great. Um, If if I'm able to talk more about what you want to do, man, what's the best way to contact you?
1: Um, shoot me an email. Uh, they can hit me up on Twitter. I think it's Brendan R. Clary or at Brendan R. Clary. Um, at Brendan. I think. Let me double check. I can't keep it all straight. R. Clary. No, scratch that. It is Brendan underscore Clary. See, I'm glad okay. I checked.
0: Brendan underscore Clary. Email?
1: Uh, uh, brendan.r.clary at gmail.com. Brendan. And I've got uh, I've got it set up to where Brendan. anybody could send me a message with questions or whatnot. I'm always willing to 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 share resources, swap stuff. I mean, I'm always looking to add to our
0: our database of stuff. And you said Brendan.r.clary at gmail.com, right?
1: Uh Brendan.r.clary at gmail.com. Yes. You got it. Yep. Very cool. Um, but I would also encourage anybody that's, that's going to, you know, listen or watch or whatnot to, uh, you know, join your, your state association. Um, I know one of the biggest things for me has been ABCA and, and my growth as a coach and opportunities that I've had. Um, would never, I told my wife, and I still joke about this, would never have thought I would ever have had the opportunity um, to present at a Barnstormer clinic that I had a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the coolest and most terrifying terrifying experiences uh, being, being the high school coach amongst some, some really, really smart baseball people. Um, but ABCA has been great for me, our local association here in Texas. THSB, a, THSBCA is great. Um, and they do a lot to kind of help us advance in our careers and give us opportunities.
0: Coach Clary, just giving us some great knowledge, and I'm grateful for the uh, conversation we had with him. I just love all the just intricacies of specific things we've done from his Juan Washingtons. He calls them Aussies now. He's 555 knee work. Um, his med ball progressions that he's doing. So you can check a lot of those things out in the Barnstormer Clinic too. little was a TCU. It's so the one that he was at. Um, again, feel free to reach out to him for more of those drills, outfield grid systems, starting at those nine boxes, starting in the five. The five would be the middle of those nine boxes. And then referencing that for the infield grid system, I think all those are good for simplifying communication. Red, yellow, green running system, if you don't have some type of running system or knowing guys, plush runners, things like that, so then infielders can make good <clears throat> good decisions. Really great stuff. Um, his combo work, uh, those are great things to talk about with the infield, especially in short amount of times, uh, being creative with the kind of players that you have, Great work! If you don't know more about combo work, you can see more about him. Uh, Gary, email Clay Cox is a great guy for that as well. And I know my, uh, I had R. J. Farrell, and he does a lot of combo work as well within his infield work. Um, deck of cards, deck of cards is those situations. I thought those are cool stuff. You brought that into play um, when you're looking for different situations and what they're doing. Uh, based on what you have with cards. Uh, super cool. I love his thing of active take. I love that's, a ta- that's have an active take. 3 counts, you know, let's have an active, like I would say, like don't take it for granted. I just love how he said that. Uh, that's what great about the game is how we're all able to, you know, teach the same thing. It's kind of the same language, but you're going to say it differently. So that for me, that takeaway was pretty cool. You know, have an active take. Really cool. I love how he's talking about getting, taking the sacrifice out of the bunt because it is an offensive play. So a lot of cool stuff, a lot of nuggets from Coach Clary. Again, Coach Clary from R.L. Turner in te- Texas. Uh, happy to have him on here to talk some baseball. Chalk it up again, and um, you know, thank you, for you guys for holding on here, um, and really thank you, the Will Miner, the guys at Netting Pros, um, as they continue to improve programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals, they specialize in design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So again, thanks to Will Meyer. Thanks to those guys um, sponsoring us and keeping this thing rolling and just helping us grow the game just like Coach Clary was here today with giving us all this great information, great tidbits of how he continues to make his players better. So, until next week, keep getting better.